<laughs> okay, so take three. <laughs> Welcome to Two Grieving Girls. It's Meg with a very special co-host all the way from Australia. Welcome Lou from the Grief Project. And I will Thank tell her you. again, my kids are probably outside. Like, why is mom repeating herself? Is she like finally lost her bananas? <laughs> I don't know why it keeps cutting out. It's really strange. I'm not sure either. I checked and I was like, let me make sure my Wi-Fi is turned on. But it is. So, yeah. Okay. Hopefully this time it works. So, Lou runs the Grief Project, which is me and Kendall's favorite Instagram. Kendall is my 10-year-old. So, she, I run all things social media through her because the older (laughs) girls get irritated with me. Um. (laughs) So we want to hear about why you started the grief project. And I know that we both said we're oversharers, which is, again, (laughs) why I feel like you're completely in my head because I overshare (laughs) everything. My family is like, mom, like you just told the guy in line at the food store that aunt died. Like, was that really necessary? (laughs) And I was like, well, like, kind of, like it kind of fit into the story, but, but I do, uh, I, I like tell everyone and people get weirded out. They're like, okay, stranger. I know. I know. Don't worry. The amount of times I leave public situations and think, why did I just say that? Why did I tell those people that? <laughs> I know I am dreading. So I'm in Pennsylvania and my son goes to the university of Alabama Yeah, and we are leaving at tomorrow to fly down there for parents weekend at his fraternity and my husband could blend in anywhere he could make friends with any kind of person you know it it just everybody loves him and is drawn to him I am so socially awkward I feel so uncomfortable meeting new people (laughs) I hate being in like social situations like without like my comfort and um (laughs) I'm dreading that part of it. I'm like so nervous to meet these moms because I was like, I'm so like not fancy. Like if you could see the pile of clothes I have in front of me and ironically enough, my husband's dress shoes and my heels have dirt on them from (laughs) my brother's funeral a year ago this January. I just said, I'm like, do you think you could maybe clean your shoes before we put them in the suitcase? But enough about me. I want to hear why you started the grief project because it makes my day every day. Oh, thank you. Okay. So I started the grief project because um, after my mother passed away, I, um, as I said, I'm an oversharer. So I was doing a lot of posting on Facebook about my sadness and where I was at with it all. And I started to just feel really isolated and a little bit shamed about my grief. I was getting messages from people saying, you know, are you okay? Maybe you need medication. Um, it's been a while now. I, you know, oh. and, and I know it came from a good place, but it's sort of when I started to really analyse grief and question myself. I was questioning myself a lot and feeling like there was something wrong with me. Um, that I wasn't moving on, you know. So um, I started the grief project. I am an illustrator. Thought we'd been cut off. Again. I like, know. I was going to say. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Um, So I started it really for myself. It was just a little space. I didn't tell anyone in my life about it. I just 
created it and I started doing little images which had grief quotes or whatever and then I would just write. I've always written when I've been in a dark place. Writing really helps me sort out my head and know what I'm feeling. So I started writing, doing these um, little images and it just sort of took off and it just blew me away how many people would message me and say, your posts are really helping me deal with my grief. And um, so it's just been this beautiful little place. But then last year um, we were in a very heavy lockdown in Melbourne um, where I am and um, we were in lockdown for over 200 days. So it was a full on um, time and I followed David Kessler for a long time on his social media (coughs) and he put up a post saying that he was doing a grief educator course and I just thought I'm going to do it because again it was for myself I just um, I've had a lot of grief over the last five years so first there was my mom and then my best friend's daughter passed away very suddenly, oh, who was also um, very close to my children. They'd all grown up together. She was 19 and oh. her name's Lucy. Um, so that was massive for our family. And um, and then I had, um, obviously we had COVID. I had another friend's son pass away and then my marriage ended. So I was really in a world of grief and um, decided to do this course just to help my own self-growth. And and then I just fell in love with everything about it. And the course was amazing. It changed my life. And I've decided now that I'm, yeah, going to, hopefully one day work in this field so the grief project is the beginning of it um it's grown a lot in the last couple of months I've really started to dedicate more time to it and um I used to just post sort of you know when I was feeling sad here and there and it's probably turned into a bit more of an educational thing as well and I just really want to raise more awareness about grief and how isolating it is for people and how it never goes away, which is, I think, a big thing that people who haven't experienced grief think, you know, they think it's just this little period of time that you go through where you're really sad and then you come out the other side and everything's great again. But Mm -hmm. as you know, it's not like that at all. It's not. And I always explain it to people like when someone dies or there's a death in your family it's almost like that 15 minutes of fame kind of thing like everyone wants to talk to you and everyone wants to offer their condolences and be your friend and check on you but um you know for us my brother was very are you there I'm here (laughs) okay okay so today's episode will be kind of choppy because I should have that first part and then I'm just going to add this in there because Still, I cannot figure out how to blend things together well. I'm hoping my son's roommate is going to walk me through it this weekend <laughs> at some point because I am definitely not good at part of it. So I know we were talking about like that grace period when someone dies and everyone yes. is around and, and helping and everything. And for us, like the day after we buried my brother, it was like, for everyone else they and I get it but they go back to their real lives and they go back to going to work and just back to sports and their everyday everything and 
even though like I had to try to do that and like for the kids like I, I had to keep up some sense of like normalcy but it was like it's still like to this day like paralyzing sometimes and absolutely people do not get that they I mean I've had some people who have have definitely been so kind and and shown such grace but I've encountered a few people in the past year that I mean, I've wanted to have like a playground smackdown with like, yeah, it has. They've not been nice because, and the only thing I can say to that is, I hope you never experience what I'm experiencing right now. Yeah, I know it's such a it's such a hard thing because I know most people don't mean anything bad by their. Um, their words and I mean people kind of go to the cliches don't they of like oh everything happens for a reason and all those awful things that are just so hurtful when you're in pain and trying to cheer someone up in that in that that's the thing I found is people would be like oh your mum Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really isolating, isn't it? And I know, I mean, you're, you're what, just a year down, is that right? Yes. Yeah. And still so early. That's the thing. I think as well, everyone thinks that, I mean, people said to me, oh, the first year is the hardest, you know, because you, you go through all the first, you have the birthday, Mm -hmm. you have Chris, the first Christmas, the first Easter, all those things. And I think it gives you this feeling like, oh, once the, all those firsts are out of the way, I'll be okay. But that stuff doesn't go away, right? Like every year on his birthday, you're going to feel sad that he's not with you. And, um, yeah, it's it's that's why it's so important to talk about it, like what we're doing now and like with the grief project and everything, just to talk about all those things that go through your head and it is different for everyone. That's the other thing. It's tricky because some people, things that some people find a comfort are a complete insult to someone else, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely, and, and I tricked So my dad passed away. Um, it'll be 18 years on yeah, right. March 6th. Yeah. And um, I have goosebumps. That's so so crazy I 18 years yeah and it, I mean I I say I was 26 so I mean yeah that, that's when I look I'm 43 now I 26 is like a baby yeah um, I was pregnant with my oldest daughter Emma my son Connor was two mm. and um it just I went into reserves mode I I took care of my whole family like my mom and we owned a house with my mom and dad. So like, you know, my mom was still here and, you know, uh, my brother was a teenager and just, I like plowed through that and everyone was like, wow, like she's handling it pretty good when inside, like I really wasn't, but I never talked to anyone about it. 
And yeah, I right. never brought it up because then I was like, all right, so now I'm like ashamed of the fact that like I'm actually not okay. And I'm like faking it to everyone. So now I'm like this big fat liar on top of everything else. Aww. But I didn't do that this time. And I, I, I say all the time, like no disrespect to my dad because my dad was like, you know, I absolutely adored my father, but losing my brother has been much harder than losing my father yeah I guess as well you're in a different place in your life right I mean you had to be you had to you were pregnant for a start you were looking after a baby it's you know there's no space there for you to really I mean I don't know how yeah I don't know how you did that it's um it's amazing what the human body can do isn't it It, I mean it, it is can you hear me I'm sorry I can I I, I checked out for a minute I went um it it definitely I remember standing in the line um when at my dad's viewing and someone that worked with him coming up to me and I was always very weird about people touching my stomach when I was pregnant I know some people think that like yeah for me I just always felt like I was being like invaded I didn't like and especially in that moment like she touched my stomach and she said oh god I can't believe that your dad's not gonna be here to see his first granddaughter born and I I looked at her and I just I remember turning to my brother and then like turning to my husband did she just say that yeah, I didn't even answer. I didn't even have any words, and she just moved on down the line like it was like no thing. Oh, and it that stuck in my mind so much for so long, and mm. still, and it's weird. Like my grandparents outlived my dad. My dad died young. He was fifty-five. He had cancer, so and he had battled it for a good almost five years. So wow. we knew, like. We knew what was coming. My brother was only 37 and died very suddenly from a seizure. So, like, that was like, you know, I talked to him the day before and was, like, teasing him about things. And then he didn't answer my call the next day. And my brother and I were those kind of people that, like, if he didn't answer my call, I'd be, like, sending him, like, snarky, like, <laughs> like yo, like, D-bag, like, why aren't you answering my text? Yeah. Stop ignoring me. Uh, yeah, I'm like, and I, I've told the story probably on the podcast, like, a hundred times. I Because of COVID, I was watching my daughter's basketball game on TV. Um, it yeah. was being streamed. And it was, like, an awful game. And I was losing my mind. And I was like, oh, my God, like, answer your phone. To the yeah. point that I almost called his wife. And I, I don't know what stopped me from calling her. 
And that was at like seven o'clock and she didn't find him until like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm always like, oh, like, I wish I had called her or, but I I don't know. I think I thought I was going to hit the one year anniversary and I was going to hit the ground running and I was going to be okay. Like I had given myself a year to grieve. Yeah. And, but it, didn't happen I woke up the next morning with that same like slap in the face when I realized yeah and I I think I'm it doesn't go away I know it's yeah I think I thought the same I thought I think my second mother's day I just crashed so badly you know I thought that I had a grip on it all now and I knew what was coming and I you know you sort of get in your own head you think but I, this is one of the things I learned. The minute I thought, I'm on top of this now, this grief thing, I'm okay. The minute I think that, it comes slapping me in the face again, like out of nowhere, you know, like just, it can just be the littlest thing, right? It can be a song comes on the radio that just, and you're fine, you're having a good day, everything's good, but something, it can just be one word that just, just crashes you down again and that's the bizarre thing with grief is you just there's no control over it you cannot control it it's it's um it just comes at you out of nowhere you know it does and I recently I know that I in in messaging with you I definitely have some displaced anger I'm already um I would probably say my worst personality trait is my explosive. <laughs> like, and, and I do like blow. I like I blow up, but then like you know, I'm I have my little blow up. And my family calls it Meg downs instead of meltdowns. They're like, oh, you know, <laughs> mom had a Meg down. Yeah, that's it. Uh, mom had a Meg down, and you know, like the people at school and everything. And like you know, my husband's always like, oh, Hurricane Meg's gonna blow through town, and but <laughs> so I um. My husband's family owned restaurants for years and years. That's where we met and I worked there. And I guess about six years ago, they closed the last one. And I didn't waitress until this last April. Okay. I started, I decided I didn't want my son to take a loan to pay for his rent for the year. That was the only thing not covered by his scholarships. And I said, you know what, like, I'd rather waitress and pay your rent than have you take a loan. Like, you get eight semesters to go and wild out and have the time of your life, you know, like, stay on the president's list and do what you need to do. But like, I want you to have fun. Like, I don't want you like worrying. So the people I work with, like, I work in the part so there's about four of us that always do banquets and then there's a whole restaurant can you say that again you work in what in like the banquet part so people host their bridal showers and baby Uh, showers and yeah okay so I just do that I don't like normally serve tables but it's the same kitchen staff and we all kind of like work together I just I'm in my own separate room normally so I work with a lot of teenagers and some of the people there kind of know my story, like the people that I work with every weekend, like, because I've had a couple Meg downs at work, like, you know, they yeah. know my, <laughs> but, um, this, it was just last weekend that we've been having issues with our cook, not putting out enough food. Right. It It's, 
it's the silliest it's a buffet like just keep feeding them until they're done it's it's not a hard concept and I she didn't have my food ready and my party was already angry and I it was eight o'clock at night and I had been there since like 8 30 in the morning this was my second party and I just lost my mind like like I was screaming the other banquet waitress went and shut the doors to the banquet room she was like Meg you scared me and all the kids were just staring at me like with their mouths open like (laughs) like what the hell is happening here and uh, my favorite boss who was there he and he's so calm and laid back he's the sweetest guy he's like all right you know it's all right like things are gonna be fine everyone calm down and um of the night I there was a new guy working and I introduced him to my husband who came to pick me up and I said you know Marquise I'm really sorry like that is not me like I do not behave like that and he said oh well I I thought it was entertaining and he looked at my husband (laughs) he said it was my second day here and I was like what the hell goes on around this place (laughs) and I said I'm sure it was like quite a show and you know, I apologize to my boss. I still haven't spoken to the cook. Her and I won't speak to each other because even though I, I will apologize when I'm wrong, I wasn't wrong in that moment and she won't yeah. apologize either. So, but I like a couple of the kids, I was like, guys, you know, I, I should not have re- That was like a super poor way to react. And, you know, I have other things going on and I just took my anger out there. Felt so bad afterwards and I was like oh like I can't believe I did that I'm like now like where they used to look at me as like this like sweet like because I'm like one of the oldest people that work there yeah like, this sweet mom like person I'm like now they're probably <laughs> like oh my gosh she's gonna stab us on the way to the car <laughs> like well was... we're all human aren't we I mean yeah it's funny the anger part of it I I'm not a confrontational person at all, so I would never lose it at people, but I had a lot of internal anger, you know, just Mm -hmm. – and I remember one day I got on Facebook and I just delete – I've never deleted a friend in my life, but about three months after my mum died, I got on Facebook and I was like, you're not my friend, you're not my friend, you're not my friend. I just did that. Oh, my gosh. I just did that last weekend. (laughs) That's so funny. And I think it's just that, um, yeah, I mean, there are some people that are just beautiful, like you said, and reach out. And I got beautiful messages from people. You know, like I I remember my first into tears and I was in my bed and I picked up my phone and I had like three or four messages from people just saying I'm thinking of you today Lou and um it was so beautiful but yeah there's also it and and I guess it's like anything you know we as humans you can have so much positivity and you get one bad comment and that's the thing you focus on (laughs) Um, (laughs) but you know I think that's the whole thing with grief there's so many emotions with it and for I remember for a long time whenever I saw a mother and a daughter together I just couldn't Ah, oh, just really ripped me apart, you know, seeing a mum and daughter having lunch together or shopping together or mm-hmm. I just couldn't deal with it. It just, I was full of jealousy and even my friends talking about, oh, I had dinner with my mum last night and 
I just would have this inner awful sense of jealousy and I think we tend to like push those emotions away it's all the negative emotions we push away and actually in our course with David there was a day where we spoke about he said what is the one emotion that you avoid at all costs and for me it's anger that was um it was a really good learning lesson where you know and at the end of it he said there is none of these emotions are bad you have to feel everything to be able to move through it you know and um yeah anger's a hard one for me it's really hard for me to express it and if I do get angry and try to express it I burst into tears so it all comes out as me crying and I'm just a I'm just a blubbering mess it's um yeah it's so weird and my brother must be messing with us today <laughs> I am um, I know what you mean about saying and I still do this even it's even 18 years later when I see a grandfather with yeah I'm like I always and I, I won't even lie so my my dad was a basketball coach and very sports oriented and ran the PTA and like and my mom was more of like like shy and didn't do that and yeah she she'll tell you that she was like at all our sporting events but honestly if you ask her what sports I played I don't even know that she'll be able to tell you and it's like (laughs) a family joke because I'm like she'll tell a story and I'll look at my daughter Emma and I'm like that never happened like I, I, I don't know what she's remembering but that like did not happen so um there was a little while there where I like resented my mom for not coming to their sporting events and Steve was like Meg that's just not her personality like she's not in the sports like like she goes to all their awards and all their stuff and you know she puts Kendall on the bus every morning and she drives me to dance and I'm like I think just because I was such a sports heavy person and it was such a bond with my dad like I think I was just resenting not having that yeah and I still yeah. sometimes I see like grandparents at games and I, I get, I don't get as resentful as I used to. I get emotional now about it. Yeah. But I feel yeah. like um, I'm like always emotional now. So my, um, anyone that's ever listened to this is probably like so tired of hearing it. Like my, my dad was a basketball coach and my brother was a basketball all-star and um when my daughter Emma started playing, she wanted to wear his number. And it's just like, it's been this whole connection for me from when I was a little kid and going to my dad's practices to watching him coach my brother. And I mean, I played for my dad too. And I fouled out of all of my game. I was like, not good at basketball. Like my brother was. And, um, (laughs) I, I felt like I did. I did when I looked at your page. Actually, I did see that you were a big basketball family. So I yeah. like love like the NCAA tournament is coming up. I'm like counting down the days. Like when I was younger, my dad would call me out of school on Thursday and Friday, and he would take the days off, and we would watch the tournament. And I had oh, that tradition. Beautiful. Oh, I loved it, and I did it with my kids until now. They play spring sports, so they can't miss the day. So I yeah. sit and I watch it by myself and I cry. And 
last year was awful because <laughs> I couldn't even call my brother and there was so many upsets in the tournament and I was like oh my gosh like my brother is losing his mind somewhere like he yeah. is just like but Emma had her basketball game and I texted her on the way there said the song good riddance by green day came on and like tears are like streaming down my face and i said and this is like the beginning of the end i'm like and i don't know how to handle it and over the last year M has kind of you know there there's been like some issues with coaching staff and and just difference of opinions and yeah you know lacrosse is really her favorite sport i have to hand it to her she stuck out basketball for me um but at the end of the game, now it, we should have won this game. On paper, we were better than the other team. Like, there was no reason we should have lost this game. And we get to, like, a minute left, and I realize that we're not going to win. And I'm just sitting with, like, tears. And I'm like, they walk off the court, and one dad who um, was super sweet, and he actually is a cop. And when, you know, my brother died, I had, like, many questions of, about, like, the – the way like they came and took the body and I asked him all my questions because I knew he wouldn't think I was crazy and he said how you doing kid are you okay and I was like no I'm not yeah all the girls came out of the locker room and they're all crying and they're all sad and here comes Emma like dancing out of the locker room she's like it's lacrosse season (laughs) (laughs) all excited and I was like oh my gosh and I texted her on the bus and I was like you know thank you like I know that this last year and a half has not been easy, and I I hope you know you stuck it out and you played for me, and like you'll never know. I said this is the end of an era because and yeah. my daughter Addie, she didn't she decided not to play high school basketball. I still do have a fifth grader, so there's a chance <laughs> that like I'll I'll get another. I'm, I'm trying to like convince her that she loves basketball the best, but I don't, I might have to sell it a little more. But, um, I think that's, um, yeah, it's funny you saying all of this because I'm just thinking about my dad and I've still got my dad. I'm very lucky. He's 82. Um, and he's incredibly fit. And but for me, it's, um, I don't know if you know AFL football, but that's our Australian, Australian's biggest game is, um, so it's it's uh I don't I can't even I can't even compare it to something else it's a very unique game it's it's awesome but um yeah I think when he passes that's going to be a really tough thing for me because he's a massive Essendon football um uh Essendon football club is our club and yeah we were when we were kids we had to be 10 before we were allowed to go to a game with him and it was just it's been such a big part of our lives, you know, and um, I don't go to the football very often anymore, but it's just that connection with him. And yeah, the football thing is going to be, yeah, I really can relate to how hard that would be um, when you've got that really strong connection over a sport. It's, um, yeah. And it was like, I mean, decades. So I'm yeah. 43. I can clearly remember being in kindergarten and going to my dad's practices with him. Wow. And um, I mean, when my dad passed away, they ended up having to shut down the viewing because there was a line of people around the block and we were an hour over 
like the allotted time and, and they were like, we just, we can't. And I felt so awful, but so many people came through that line that were like, I played basketball for your dad in second grade and I never forgot him. And I, oh. like, he just had such a big influence on so many yeah, people. Yeah, what a beautiful legacy to leave behind too. It, it really was. It was sweet. And you know what? When um, at my brother's funeral and we were kind of coming, not coming out of COVID, like we still had COVID restrictions, but they weren't as tight as they had been. So we were able to have a viewing, but so many, I still call them kids. They're like 37, but so many kids that he grew up with and went to school with came. And it was so emotional because I haven't seen them, but I, you know, they had all played basketball for my dad up until high school. And I, I'm like, it just, it felt like the end of a decades long thing for me. And I, I, I was like, wow, it really like hit me on the car ride home. And I was just like, oh, like, that's it. Like all it, it, it's all done now. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's to a- some people might sound so silly, but like, I, I guess that like helped me hang on to I I felt like I was hanging on to like a little piece of my dad and then my brother as well yeah yeah I uh, look I think a lot of things people find silly but it doesn't matter it's it's what's important to you and and yeah like you say it's such a strong connection through that and so much of your life is wrapped up in that so doesn't matter what anyone thinks right I know. I keep trying to tell myself that I'm, I'm definitely I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, I was at a point last week and uh, I'm like, you know what? I don't know if someone commented on a post. I don't know what it was, but like you said, like so many people could say so many kind things and then you see something that's just like that little bit irritating and it, it just completely takes a turn for the worse for me. And I was like, I just want to leave social media altogether. But then I can't because that's, that's the only way I talk to some of my family that I still talk to. But I think social media is a double-edged sword. It is, isn't it? But it's also, um, I don't know about you, but I've, you know, the, the word triggers, you know, I always thought triggers were only happened to people who'd had like extreme violence or some kind of awful trauma happened to them, mm-hmm. you know, like Vietnam war veterans and things like that. And I've slowly realized that we all get triggered, right. And it can be the mm-hmm. littlest thing. It can be the littlest comment that, um, you know, for me, yeah, those, and now I'm really aware, I'm very much more self-aware about my own triggers and that's helped me deal with things too. When I, when something comes up and I just feel that sense in my body of like rage or I just go, okay, I'm triggered right now. What is this about? Why am I, you know? And I think, you know, for me there's a lot, I, I since my marriage ended, you know, there's a lot of things that are coming up for me that I'm like, oh, that's to do with my my relationship. You know, we were together for 28 years, so it's, there's a lot wow. to unravel there, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think the more that you can acknowledge your triggers and go, okay, I'm being triggered right now and this is, 
you know, like I say, a lot of people don't, they don't mean to be hurtful, but um, yeah, I've had some really awful, I don't know about you, but you know, there's, uh, and I don't know if you know about this, but there's a thing they call secondary losses. And so when someone passes or you suffer any kind of grief, they talk about there's secondary losses. So for example, my marriage breaking down, I lost You're cutting out on me. Yeah. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, you're now. I hear you now. So, yeah. Did I cut out for a sec? Did cut out. So you start. I heard you say talk about secondary losses, and then you started to say about your marriage. Yeah, I was just saying that it. Um, yeah, people that I thought would really be there for me and stand by me, and same with my mum passing. You know, people that I thought would be really solid and. Um, and they just weren't. They just disappeared. And it's hard not to be hurt by that, you know. But I try mm-hmm. now to just go, everyone's in a different place. Most of those people haven't experienced that kind of loss. And um, and I think as well some people project their own stuff onto you, you know, their own judgments, their own, if they are not a person that I know from, I, I know that I'm a person that, I'm just too much for some people, you know, the way that I can be very vulnerable in front of people makes other people really uncomfortable because they would never express that kind of emotion in front of other people. So, yeah, you know, it's funny because when I was a kid, I was always such a highly emotional child and to the point where my parents would hide things from me or turn the news off if something if they knew that it was going to be something that would really upset me. And so for a long, a long, most of my life, I felt like it was a real weakness to be emotional and vulnerable. And it's only through, probably through the grief project that I've realized actually it's a real strength and, um, and it's something I'm now proud of. I used to feel so ashamed that I could just burst into tears at the drop of a hat. It always embarrassed me. I felt like I was weak and now I actually go, no, I'm actually a strong person to be able to express myself. And I found that through the grief project, just through people messaging me and saying, thank you for being so vulnerable because it's made me really connect to my own grief and realize how much I was shoving it down, you know. So it's kind of a gift in a way. I, I wish that I, I used to never cry like people would never see me cry they used to make jokes there was um when I was I I believe I was 17 so the Temptations, the Motown group I don't know how okay so they like my absolute favorite absolutely love them right I love them too uh, my parents like met David Ruffin and went to see them a bunch of times and my parents were actually on 
the turnpike on the way to a concert in a traffic jam and his limo was next to them and he was hanging out on the limo and they were like we're going to your concert and he's like well <laughs> tell them I'm gonna be late so like I mean I just like absolutely we always grew up listening to like Motown and they VH1 made a movie called Just the Story of the Temptations and we watched it and it was my cousins and I and still to this day is one of my favorite movies. I just made my kids watch it with me. But it was one of the first times a lot of our friends had ever seen me cry because yeah, I just, wow. I never cried in front of people. And for some reason, like that movie just touched me so much. And I, I'll never forget sitting there and the one guy being like, I didn't think like you had it in you to have emotion. And I was wow. like, wow. I was like, well, I, I didn't think I was that bad, but <laughs> and I, I definitely kept like a stiff upper lip for a long time and did not yeah. cry. And I feel like now I'll like burst into tears in front of someone if they say, like, even if they say something like I, I just am very easily like set off and I cry and then I feel uncomfortable and awkward and I feel bad for making the other person feel awkward and it makes it even worse. And I think that's where my nervousness about this weekend comes from. Um, about a month ago, someone asked me if I had any siblings, and I froze. And I, I didn't know what to say because I didn't know them. And I didn't want to lead with, like, oh, well, my brother just passed away. But yeah. I didn't want to say yes, and I didn't want to say no. Like, I, it was just like, I, it was the first time someone had asked me that question. And I... yeah. It's I so probably... confronting, isn't it? I know yeah. I, was, um, I was at dinner with my girlfriend who lost her daughter one night and we were chatting to the waiter and he just, we passed him our plates at the end and he said, oh, I can tell you guys are mothers because it's always the mothers that help me at the end of the night, you know, and we had a bit of a laugh and then he just started asking us about our children and he was like, oh, so how many kids do you have? And he asked me first and then he asked me and I could just see her freeze up because it's such a confronting thing. And when he walked away, she said to me, you know, I don't know what to say. And I said, you have three children. You still have three children. Mm -hmm. You know, you are a mother of three children. But she said, I don't want to go into it with strangers. And she said, I feel like I'm lying if I say three, but then I don't want to tell a stranger. Oh, well, I want to. Because then he said, oh, how old are they all? And, you know, it's just... Yeah, it's so, and this is the thing, none of us know what anyone is carrying, you know, mm -hmm. it's so many people have grief and have lost people or, or just are going through a tough time. You never know what anyone is going through. And that's, yeah, it's, I totally get that. It's such a hard thing, but he's always your brother. So, yeah, but it's also that thing, isn't it, of how much you want to share with people because not everyone needs to know your story either that, and that's my problem because I'm such an oversharer like I, yes. I do end up like telling people I find myself telling people in the strangest situations yeah yeah I know I, it's weird isn't it sometimes it just kind of comes out without yeah I mean even even with Lucy I mean I talk about Lucy a lot and um you know, Fee's a lot more private than me. And I sometimes think, oh my God, she's not my daughter. Am I, am I overdoing this? You know, like 
I think I lost you again. Me? Yes, I can yeah. now. So yeah. I, we heard you say that you were asking yourself if you were overdoing it. Yeah, but I just said, yeah, but I know we're just different people in that way. And she knows that, you know, everything, you know, I, Lucy was, um, yeah, just an amazing, gorgeous creature and I adored her and she knows that. And she, I think she also loves how much I, you know, still talk about Lucy with her and mention Lucy's name a lot and, um, it helps keep her alive, I guess, you know. I, I was going to say that too. I feel like that is why I find myself telling strangers because I feel like sometimes even the people in my closest world kind of yeah. not forget them, but I don't know if it's like they're afraid to upset me or I, I know sometimes even with my kids, like I don't. Like, I want to bring it up to them, and I want to – the one day, one of my, like, Meg Downs was to my husband. I said, you know what? Like, no one talks about him. Every, it's, it's like he died, and he's just gone out of our lives. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, my husband's like, no, no one – if you're having, like, an okay day, like, no one wants to, like, tear your world apart. And I said, but it, it won't. Like, it, it – me that like I want to talk about him all the time I want to tell every Mm. ridiculous story I can about him like yeah I remember having this um having a big blow up with my my husband at the time exactly the same thing where I just said to him you never talk about my mom you never even say her name and he said but I don't want to upset you and I'm like but it's with me every single day, you know, mm-hmm. you not mentioning it doesn't mean that it's not there. And mm-hmm. he said, but you talk to your friends about it all the time. You talk to other people. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's the whole thing. I think. And I know when Lucy passed, you know, I remember Fee after her funeral saying to me, I'm so scared that oh, it makes me cry. <laughs> I'm so scared oh. that everyone's going to forget her now. Forget. And I said, yeah. to her, we're never going to forget her. And that's, I think I think most people feel that way that once the funeral's over and everyone gets back into their lives and their worlds, you feel like they've been forgotten. But um, you know, I make a really big effort to always acknowledge Lucy, and if I, you know, just say I find a photo of her one day that I just come across in my files, I will. And it makes me smile. I'll always send it to Fee and say, look what I just found. Or if, you know, I just get a little memory. I think it's all those little things that help people feel that their grief is acknowledged and that I think as well. my mom and they say oh I wanted to tell you this beautiful story about her and when you hear stories that you've never heard before it's almost like you're getting a little piece of them back you know Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's so important to keep those stories alive and 
not avoid saying their name, you know. I just, um, and I know it's awkward for people. People don't know if they're going to upset people. And some people don't want to talk about it too. That's the other thing. I mean, um, yeah, it is, it is complicated, isn't it? It is. When my dad passed, I had, and I don't even know where I got this from, to be honest with you, because I would have had to have got it after he passed away, but it was these memory book pages, and it asked you to, like, share a story, and we just put them out at his viewing, and I I have them. I still, all these years later, I haven't put them in a book. They're in a container. My intention is to put them in a book, and when my friend's father passed away, I did that for her. And such a you know beautiful what? idea. I love it, that. It is. And and when my brother died, I didn't even think of it. And then, oh, and then I yeah. like said to his wife, I said, I, I wanna like go onto his Facebook and ask people like you know, he his daughter was two when he passed, so she's three mm-hmm. now, and my sister in law's having twins. Oh, and I said, wow. you know, I I want so many people like they're moving so quick through the line and they're trying to tell you like their history with him and I said I, I want to like ask people to like send me their stories so I can yeah put them out for the kids I'm like but I don't like is that weird if I do that am I gonna make people be like okay now you're really losing it <laughs> no I think it's beautiful and those that want to contribute will and those that find it weird won't so um yeah, I love that idea. I've thought the same about my, you know, my mum's close friends. I mean, so many people on the day of the funeral said to me, oh, I really want to catch up with you and tell you, you know, um, a beautiful conversation I had with your mum or, you know, just recently. I, I think my mum really, I feel she had cancer as well. And okay. I feel like our family went straight into when she'd had breast cancer um 17 years before and she'd beaten it and she was very healthy and had a great another 17 years and then when it came back you know we went straight into that positive thinking and everyone was just like it's going to be fine it's going to be fine mm-hmm. I feel that we also we had a deep part of you know we were very much diving into denial you know now that in mm-hmm. hindsight I think gosh we were so naive in a lot of ways and I remember just a week before she passed and I was talking to my dad on the phone and I burst into tears and I said, you know, she was sleeping a lot at that point and I said to him, I'm so worried about mum, dad, like she's just, I feel like we're losing her and he was like, no, 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 you know, we've still got this and we've still got that and it was all just positive, positive, positive. But I feel, and she did the same with us, you know, she never, she didn't sit me down at any point and say, you know, I'm, I'm leaving this world. She just stayed positive till the end. But I think she really found that. I think I lost you again. I oh, think it's nice. an I, I think it's an anchor thing. I'm gonna have to contact their support. Yeah, but... it's weird. Anyway, um, 
I don't know where we were at. Loved chatting with you, and I you would too. love to do this again. Maybe next week, if you're not busy, maybe we can chat some more. I I feel like I have so much to learn from you, and I'm <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at the pile of clothes that it is probably stacked up to my waist, and I'm going for four days, so they're looming at me. I'm I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna knock out half of them because you need to do a cull, yeah. <laughs> I I really do. I I I don't need seven t shirts for three days. Besides the fact that I'm gonna get there and besides the black tie event and and the brunch that we have, I'm gonna wear my son's sweatpants and his hoodies. I'm not even <laughs> not even gonna wear my clothes. So I don't even know why I'm bringing them. But yeah, I, I am going to dive into that. But I want to thank you so, so much because it has been amazing talking with you. And I really hope that you had fun. And I hope maybe that you'd be interested in doing it again. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it too, Meg. It's really nice to connect. And um, yeah, it just feels like two friends sitting and having a chat, really. So for sure, I'd love you to made my night. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. You can't get rid of me now because I stalk your page. So, um, <laughs> sure, I'll I'll be messaging you when I'm leaving for the airport because that'll that's four a.m. my time. So that's probably like what's that? What's yeah. like eight eight o'clock your time? I think. But, yeah. Well, I hope you have a beautiful weekend with your son. Thank you. I'm sure I'll post many it. pictures. Yeah, it's, gorgeous. It's, Right now it's like 40 degrees here and it's 78 degrees there. So I kind of, I think that's why I have so many clothes because I pulled shorts out and stuff too. So it it will be, it'll be a nice change of pace while everyone's freezing here. Yeah. Beautiful. Get some sunshine. But it was great talking to you and I'm sure I will talk to you within the next day or two. Yeah, great. Thanks, Meg. Take care of yourself. You too. Thanks for having me on. It's been really fun. Absolutely. I can't wait to do it again. Okay. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye.